how can we improve our relationship with cat owners using tech? Oh man, that's a loaded question. But I, I mean, I think there are so many ways that we can we can do that. So I think even just in communicating what we do for their cats uh, is is totally untapped. Sorry for saying sorry. Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Per Podcast. <laughs> and this is Dr. Susan Little, and you took me like, like he's laughing, you know, because we're, we're, we record these on Zoom, and I often just wish that our listeners could see what's going on right and so yola totally planned that you play i can tell yeah you were not paying attention i you, was you were looking at the birds and the bees and whatever doesn't mean and, i wasn't and, paying and, attention and, and, and we're taping this very exciting podcast and you're just floating around a little bit so i thought okay let's start it we have such an amazing guest we do. Uh, we cannot yeah. wait any longer. So this is the per <laughs> podcast, by the way. That was Dr. Susan Little. My name is Dr. Yola Kirpensen, and we're so excited to be here. Yes, and we have Dr. Caitlin DeWild. I'm going to have to change, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. It's my, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to get it into DeWild in, in my mind. You know, um, the uh, Canada's bilingual, like French and English, right? And where I practice, it's very bilingual. So you get used to switching, you know, from an English or Canadian pronunciation into the other language. You get used to doing that in your head. So I'm going to have to switch you back because I've been calling you DeWild or De DeVild would probably be more correct. But anyway, I'll switch it to DeWild. So we have whatever you want. I'm okay. Yeah, you just call me whatever you want. And can I pronounce it in Dutch? Because it is oh, well, yes. this kind of Dutch and we didn't do that last last time. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I want to say this in Dutch. But in Dutch, it would be de wilde. Say it again. De wilde. Okay. It means the wild one. So uh, maybe that's the definition of being <laughs> the wild. I know? don't know what my ancestors were doing, but I'm glad they were having a good time. <laughs> So yeah, exactly. I, yeah, they did have they a good time. <laughs> yeah, so the Wilde is uh, is is a it, and I recognize it was Belgium because you wouldn't say that in Dutch with the e, so it's probably and and so it is a, it's a typical Belgian name. Uh, but uh, yeah, so don't hold it against me. But I mean, Belgium is is the best. I know you are. Um, not oh. Okay. Yes. I'm joking. I'm, joking. Uh, no, I'm just it. kidding. I'm just kidding. Belgium is a waffles, wonderful country. Great beer. I yes, mean, yes, oh. yes. Two languages. Two languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very French cool. fries <laughs> or Belgian fries or whatever you call them. Right. Right. So there's lots of good things in Belgium and excellent food. So, uh, but that's not what we're going to talk about because we had a cliffhanger. We're going to talk about cat and tech and social media. And why are we talking about those topics with you, Dr. Caitlin? Well, I love cats, number one. I think you already know that. But uh, in my hospital, I was the chief catvocate 
which Ooh. I appointed myself. No. <laughs> I like the title. <laughs> when we uh, we went through the process of becoming cat friendly certified and, and we were going through to make our own cat room and just trying to really do something significant to market towards our cat owners. It's it's funny to me how I feel like a lot of veterinary professionals identify one way or the other as dog people or cat people, like not not both. <laughs> But um, I, I became the, the chief cat advocate as a, as a default. And we had a cat advocate team of our, our, our awesome cat people. You know, there's always that one technician who's like the best at drawing blood from cats. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, that they're the like cat vein whisperer. So she was mm -hmm. on the team. And yeah, so I, I, I definitely um, have a passion for that. And I think that cats are neglected in our technology, in our marketing, in our social media kind of all around. So I, I'm kind of rooting for them because they're the the undercat. I want to say underdog, but that's not that's not right. The undercat. You're preaching to the choir here because you know when I talk with Dr. Susan and she looks at any marketing material, she always slowly fades away because you only see the D's. There's no cats in there. Nobody ever puts cats on anything. You know, that's that's one of the first things when we do an audit of anyone's marketing or social media, we actually would pull three months of posts and we count the number of cats. Okay. And it is usually like two or <laughs> like four. Like it's always under 10%. I've never seen it above 10% at any practice ever. Ever. Companies, companies that I that that I, I work with a lot, um, I think get to hate me around the time that they launch new products. It's like she's gonna call, you know, she's gonna notice, and I do. But you know, and as Yola knows, I call them out and say, why isn't there equal time? But thank God for that, because I mean, there's there's arguably just as many cats, right? And then arguably there are way more way more cats that need our help. And that could be from just a business and financial perspective. Hello, like this is an untapped market, people. Like, why are we not trying to cater to cat owners? And 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 since you did that, so you have the cat for cats now in your clinic. Mm -hmm. Did you see? Because I I I really would like to show people that it makes a difference. Did you see a difference in the number of cats that came in, in the pleasure that people had to? treat cats like the people that you selected give us some some return of investment in doing that yeah i i mean i'll be honest i'm i don't know that it um if we hadn't marketed it the way that we did um i don't know that it would have been as successful so i think it goes hand in hand i think there are a lot of practices that are doing the exact same things that are have a cat only room and have people that are specifically trained in handling cats and dealing with feline issues but unless you're telling that story, it's not going to result in any increase in numbers, right? So the first year we did it, we did see an almost 30% increase in the number of cats. Wow. Um, and most of the cool thing was most of it was existing cat owners, existing uh, clientele of our practice. So either people who were coming to us with their dogs or people who we're like, oh, you know what? Um, I haven't had my cat in in like seven years, or you know. But we we really made a conscious effort to not only like, hey, we have this certificate, and hey, we have the cat room, and hey, we have these people with this certification, but we we really wanted to show them like this is why we did it because we know it sucks to get a cat in. We understand that, but this is why it's still important. Let us help you get them in. 
um, and then let us tell you why it's important and really demonstrated that. So, so we did have an almost 30% increase, which was a, a big deal. We were very happy about that. Now, I will tell you the next year when we, it wasn't our focus, it wasn't our big push, that number went down. It, it wasn't as consistently high. So I think at least of my N of one, the data tells me that we need to continue that push and make sure that we're at least giving it some focus consistently. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think that people don't see the both sides of these programs that help you do, whether it's fear-free handling or cat-friendly, you know, they're great programs, um, but you have to be proactive and you have to promote it and you have to tell the stories. So, you know, you just can't do it and put a little logo on your website and think, well, I built it, they will come. Um, it doesn't really quite work like that, right? And I, I also think that people have the same experience as you is that that first influx of increased uh, feline patient numbers comes from your existing clients, right? That have do have a cat, but they've never brought it or they have three cats, but you've only ever seen one, right? Because the others are too old or too afraid or, you know, too something, right? And then for you to attract new clients over and above that, then like the next years of marketing have to be a little bit different, right? Because you, you inevitably will get your own clients first, right? And then you want them to spread the word and you want new clients. Yeah, I would hundred like any any kind of marketing, I would much rather have existing clientele that we've done a good job of cultivating and treating well and and you know earning their their no like and trust and earning their loyalty and then get them to spread the word a hundred percent or just even come in more often themselves. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think if you there's lots of ways you can run the actual data, but like run your numbers of cat patients and then run your numbers of how often they're coming in and your lapsed patient report is going to be mostly feline. There's a huge opportunity there. And, and again, I don't want to make it just from the business standpoint, but think about from the cat standpoint, like what could we actually do for the health of these cats if we found things earlier and we kept them healthy? So I, I just think that that's a, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know what I mean? But I think people need to hear it and they definitely need to hear the fact that you can make a difference. Um, and, and, you know, I work for a business and in business, it's all about, you know, what do you get out of it? You put an investment in and then what is the result of that investment and is it beneficial for the business? And that's the same, should be the same for any business cat owner, clinic, clinic cat owner. Uh, uh, you have to look at it. And I think a lot of uh, veterinarians are not willing to invest because they're worried that it will not pay out. And it does, obviously. And the other thing that I really liked what you said was, yeah, you can light the flame and you can make a big torch and then everybody runs towards the light. But if you don't keep that torch burning, they will disperse again. So it's not, you know, if the torch gets weakened, people will move move away from you again. So you need to keep that 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 emphasis going and doesn't mean that you have to do it throughout the whole year but you have to have these these moments that you promote what you're doing and and why you want people to come in um, and then the last thing is that we always talk about this that people and i don't know why that is but it's so interesting to hear that owners say oh yeah i need to bring my dog in every six months because of his teeth and that sort of things and then 
you ask them, so do you have any other animals? Oh yeah, yeah, I have like four cats. Okay, I haven't seen any of your cats. No, no, but they don't need that care. They're just I'm inside. Like, yes, they're inside cats, you know, and they're healthy, right. you know, so or they're too old. I mean, I, I love the two, you know, everything is two. And so it, it's too old, too weak, too, what, too whatever. So we don't have to bring them in. So it's, it, it's really important that you say those things. So that's awesome. Um, let's switch the topic a little bit. Uh, so just, just before you, they leave that, yeah, oh, yeah. If, if you don't mind, I, I just want to bring up one other thing. And that is there's other ways to look at your return on investment from going from, you know, investing time and effort into programs um, like becoming more cat friendly. Um, and, and the American Association of Feline Practitioners does a good job. They have some really nice infographics because they do, of course, survey their members to see what the benefits are. But I just want to point out that often clinics find that find that there's increased job satisfaction. There's fewer cat bites. Right. So there there's other things to monitor and other ways to get benefit than just, am I getting more clients, right? It's a bigger picture. It's true, but if you don't get any cats in, you don't get any cat bites either. <laughs> but but your technicians or your receptionists that are totally cat people are just yes cat people in a dog world. That's, yeah. that's a bummer. Yeah, I was just making a joke, but I mean, yeah, you're, you're completely right. You're completely right. So those are really good points. So we're ripping uh, Caitlin off her soapbox right now and we're switching the topic. So another soapbox topic, which is tech, tech, tech. How can we improve our relationship with cat owners using tech? Oh man, that's a loaded question. But I, I mean, I think there are so many ways that we can, we can do that. So I think even just in communicating what we do for their cats uh, is, is totally untapped again. So one way that I really like working with cat owners is a lot of times they're so worried if they're in the building, like even before COVID and after COVID, whatever we're doing now, curbside or not, but if they're cat is here they're so worried about how freaked out their cat is they don't hear anything that we say like at all so i think using technology to give them that information when they can digest it at home on the couch with their cat in their lap is way better so i've really started trying to do um, anytime i have to go over blood work or x-rays i do it on loom which is a website that you can record your screen and like your face in a little bubble at the bottom so i'll like pull up their blood work i'm like this is fluffy's blood work let's talk about each of these things let's look at these x-rays like this is this is what i'm seeing this is what i want to do next and i just email that to them and that way they don't they can get out of there and then we can have those conversations but they can get to know me a little bit more they can see me even if we are in curbside mode but i think then they can digest that information a little bit better and refer back to it so I think that's one way. I mean, the same same thing could be said for a you know, written report card, right? Like making sure that these people have written information. We know that there's a lot of data that supports that pet owners want access to written information and we don't give it to them whether they're cats or not. So I think that's another way, but I think now all this cool stuff with like the Freestyle Libre and they're monitoring their health remotely and with your phone, like for these diabetic patients, like I just can't wait to see how that market continues to offer these huge advantages. So, so going away from even the technology, like the communication technology, just into the medical technology, like how cool is that stuff? And that came out really quickly. And now it's like, 
universally accepted and and used now like i would i hope to never do a glucose curve again that is that is a win for everyone right literally everyone so we're helping these patients and and we're making it way easier and way way more accessible for so many people so I'll, I'll stop talking, but those are my like big, exciting tech things. Yeah. I, I, I think that the monitoring the diabetics is easily like my news headline for tech for the last few years. But um, I love what you said about recording your conversation with the owner. Um, that has never occurred to me. And I love that idea. So um, you're talking to them anyway. So why not record it? And then they have access to it. I think that's great. Thanks. Well, you know, I think I think vets have known forever that clients don't take in all of what you say. Like we've always known that. That's not a new finding, right? We've always known that, and so we've um, tried to back that up with paper. I still think report cards are a great idea, um, but especially in this day when we're doing so much curbside service and we don't ever see people um, anymore, it's an even better tool i think i love that idea caitlin yeah that's really good and and, and you know i people ask me so I, do you ever want to go back to do veterinary medicine and i said yeah because this is the time it is going to be so much fun when when i used to do my surgical oncology the only way i could talk with people was on the phone which i don't like either because it's a waste of my time really and i have to repeat it anyway when they come back to me in the clinic but just using these digital tools to explain people um i and and dr sarah boston said it to me really right she said so many people come to me to get a second opinion and they don't have to drive four hours for it because i can give that second opinion just looking at the dog or looking at the work and going through that with them. And yes, now I want to chart the telemedicine yeah, bandwagon. That's which... exactly. And and yes, I will charge them for it, but it saves them 400 kilometers of driving and gas and whatever. And and it also saves them a lot of stress and that sort of thing. So so I, I, I think this is such a cool period that you can do all these things and 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 have a digital relationship with the client uh, that yeah, fits within think, the VCPR, but you know. Yeah, it, of course. And, and I mean, I think that's going to continue to evolve as we go through the next, probably at a, at a relatively rapid rate compared mm -hmm. to the last decade, right? Yes. But yeah, whether that's consulting with a specialist or whether that's consulting with some a, an existing general practice relationship or even a technician like i've seen so many practices just in the last year that are using things like their app chats or their you know telemedicine or triage services but that's empowering the technician so now we've added yet another awesome ally to the team and we're actually utilizing people with significant skill and, and knowledge and we're giving these cat owners the information they need sometimes without having to bring them in which is cool. So I think that that I could go on about that for longer than we have the podcast for. But <laughs> uh, I, I think that's just going to be hopefully bring so much more access to care to cats. I, I feel the same as as you do. I think that that could be really another one of those silver linings that comes out of the pandemic, um, because 
telemedicine or telehealth, however you want to phrase that, using digital technologies is just is really made for feline care. Um, and I, I think before the pandemic, that's had a lot of fear that if we did things virtually, clients would ever like never actually come into the building, right? They just like never actually bring the cat. We'd never actually see the cat. But I, I think that the pandemic has taught us that you can do both, yeah. right? So you actually will provide more care by supplementing um, the visits, the in-person or in-cat visits, right? So for me, I, I really want us to grab on to that and to keep holding on to that and to keep that going. We're already making plans in our practice about you know, how, what ways we can, can keep that ball rolling. Um, just made for cats, isn't it? It's just- Yeah, well, ideal. and I honestly think, you know, telemedicine, depending on who you're talking to, that there's a, it's a bit of a buzzword. Some people think it's overdone, it's not got a place, or it only had a place during COVID, whatever. But the reality is we saw at our practice, when we started telling people that we had telemedicine, they were very excited about it. But then when we said, well, we haven't seen your cat in three years. So we were only doing telemedicine appointments for the patients that we had seen within the last six to 12 months, like physically seen them. So we've had some patients that I, I actually need to run the numbers on this, but I can think of at least five off the top of my head that came in specifically so that they could call in later <laughs> with an issue with their, their pet. So they wanted to be current with, you know, a normal physical exam so that they could have that option of telemedicine in the future if they needed it. And I was like, this is also a game changer on many levels and especially for cats. And so what would then be the time period that you allow them to call? So is it a year, two years, 10 years after you have that initial? Yeah, at, at our practice and we're in Missouri, so we're, we're currently limiting it to, we have to have seen them within 12 months. Okay. Um, we thought we started early on at six months, but then as the pandemic continued going, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, let's just bump this on out to 12. But I think it's also patient specific. Like there's some patients I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to not see a diabetic or a, you know, a, a really chronic illness patient and say 12 months from now. But if you're like, I saw you 15 months ago and now your cat just has a hair loss spot, we're, we're going to make that okay. Right. Um, but of course, staying within our, our state and, and legal requirements. Yeah. And I, I think it's the same for us. It's going to be a combination of whatever your, um, you know, your, your uh, practice act is, um, mm -hmm. because they are as, uh, especially I gather across the U S they're, they're widely varying. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. And how much latitude you have. Um, and so, and here's an, another example. So in Ontario, where I practice, we are allowed to do virtual consultations with a pet that we've never seen before. And wow. that, that's only during the pandemic. And, I'm, you know, and that was a, they made that move early. And I think that was very smart. So I, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of vets went, that's not such a good idea. Like, why do, do I want to do, you know, a, a, a telehealth consultation? I've never met this cat before. Turns out to have been very smart. Um, I'm sure they'll dial that bit back, right? Uh, once the, the situation um, gets a little bit better. But it telemedicine is definitely here to stay. You, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. 
No, I think that 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 we we have a little bit of work to make it clear to vets and to clients what's allowed and what's not because there's so much variation right now. If, especially in the U.S., if you look per state, every state is something different, and you have to dive deep into whatever law there is, and it's impossible to get through. So I think that everybody's really confused right now, and uh, maybe something for AVMA to pick up and uh, and deal with, uh, you know, because it is something that that is, is, is really difficult now to, to understand. Uh, and with the pandemic, every, every door opened, I'm really afraid that after the pandemic, all the doors will be shut again because of people being afraid that they will lose their business. Yeah. I hope that the clients demand now, again, as technology mm -hmm. has improved for human health, right? And having gone through the, the pandemic, I hope that will be the push that our industry needs to push our legislatures mm -hmm. <laughs> into yeah. the, the right direction. I think for a long time, a lot of us were like, nah, we don't want to get into that, right? What, we didn't need to get into it. We didn't want to get into it. There's too many unknowns, but hopefully now that's at least a time to be reevaluated. So, but I, again, for cats alone, it's just, it's a game changer, I think. So, especially if you're giving them i to, to me it's a, a bonus it's a bonus to what you would do in the practice right so it's getting them into the practice where you can get your hands on them but then you have this added bonus of now being able to facilitate care you know how how often I, you guys have cats too right how often are you like yep i sure had no questions or they did nothing weird 364 days yeah. into the next annual exam like mm. that doesn't happen yeah we're really planning to make it a, um, a nice supplement to our monitoring of chronic disease patients, right? So that kidney disease patient that you really do want to keep closer tabs on, but it's we can ask the client to come in every four months or every six months. It's not always going to happen, but now um, that touch point can be a virtual touch point. It doesn't have to be a physical touch point all the time. So. Um, that, that's, I think, where we're going to concentrate in our practice anyway, because feline medicine is geriatric chronic disease medicine. Like, that's my life, right? So, yeah. It's just synonyms, right? Hey, speak yeah. for yourself. I'm a surgeon, so I cut <laughs> out. Well, this is feline medicine, right? So, and I also cut cats, by the way. True, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I don't, I think clients will continue to, to demand that. You know, I think, as I say, it'll be hard to put that genie back in the bottle, but what uh, what what uh, state and provincial legislatures do is another matter. <laughs> that is true. Okay, uh, we're almost at time. We have one oh. more question, Dr. Susan. You want to take the honors? One more question? One more question allowed. Really, you're letting me ask one more question? Yes. If there was um, one piece of technology, Caitlin, that you would like to invent today, if you could snap your fingers and there it would be. So let's say for patient monitoring, you know, along the lines of monitoring the diabetic and boom, now we can monitor them remotely. Is there something like that that you would like to see? Ah, uh, wow, loaded question. Um, so I'm gonna, specific to cats, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> so you know what no, I would- gorillas. <laughs> right, not us, you know? not at all. <laughs> I would love to see a really qualified and really quantified way to somehow measure whether it's like almost like force plate impact right about mm. cats and arthritis because yeah. i think i think some of these cats i think people just assume they get old 
and start laying around and I think they might be uncomfortable and it makes me sad. So if we could really find a way that we could easily quantify in, in, in a way that an owner could could monitor at home for their activity level and their ability to their mobility in general, I think that would be that's what I would invent. I think that's a great one. I would do that too. I'm with and you. Then, and then with an app that says, okay, your prescription is ready. Just <laughs> say C and it's confirmed. Do you guys want to know the coolest new app I just got from my cat? Ooh. What's that? I, I'm going to tell you because we're on this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I got a litter robot. Do you know what that is? Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. And it sends me an alert when my cat has gone to the bathroom. No. <laughs> Which I disabled because I was like, I don't need to know that much. But it, it does send me an alert when I need to empty the litter box. But my like husband is alert. Like, alert. Poop. But yes. it, it's kind of cool because you could for again for a diabetic or a cat that had urinary tract disease, if Ooh. you monitor how many times they're going in and out of the box, it, it tells you. So do you get a poop emoji when it is? It doesn't that do one? that. I feel like they're underutilizing the poop emoji. I'm just really, I, I don't understand. I need to get on their marketing team, clearly. They do. Clearly. <laughs> yes, that poop but emoji. But I thought you guys would appreciate That's that. That's cool. That, that is super like, cool. do you really need an app for this? And I was well, like. But as you know, when you put your veterinarian's hat on, you can say, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I have my last question for you, Caitlin. I'm just breaking the rules here, but how many apps do you have on your phone? Oh God. Oh. <laughs> per screen or no yeah. total, total, total. Oh man. Like a thousand, a hundred. How many fit no. on one screen multiplied by? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, because you can put them in the folder on yeah, one exactly, screen. Exactly. So I have a folder that's like this is a social media. Right. Section. Uh -huh. This is the, the pet section. This is the kids section. This is a travel section. So I, I'm, I'm kind of a Nazi. If I haven't used it in a month, then I delete it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I like a clean, clean looking phone. Wow. Um, I'm, but I'm still going to go about 100. <laughs> 100. Yeah. 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 So because I, I've always, I, I probably have a little bit more than 100, but how many do I really use? So I have now this new system that if I use things a lot, they go to the front. Yes. And so in the back, it's all the, the garbage. Right. And then once every six months, I kind of keel over the garbage. But it's so difficult to say delete. I know. But you have it, that, that, it's that push and then there's data in there, you know, yeah. what will happen? I put it in an unused folder for a little bit, like a little interim before you just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> if I have a used in unused folder, then yeah. it can help. But... Like the recycle bin on your computer, right? Where it's there for a while. Exactly. Exactly. That's what you need. Uh -huh. Yeah. So like recycle that. app. I, I like it. I like it. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kaden. This was wonderful. Um, yeah, this was the Per Podcast. If you want more information, perpodcast.net or at our handle at Per Podcast. And we always have wonderful guests like Dr. Caitlin. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a good review and tell your neighbor. <laughs> tell your friends. Yay. And your family members and your veterinarians and everybody else. The more, the bigger our family is, the better it is. So thank you, Dr. DeWild. This was fantastic. Thank you. Love yeah. to have you back because we didn't even talk about social media. I ah. know. Shocking. <laughs> and you're the social friend. So next time. Next time. Next time. So uh, definitely come back to us. So thank you so much. Thank you. 
Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast. 